All right, ladies and gentlemen, today's uh, Electrum Performance-sponsored ad that this episode is brought to you by is going to be courtesy and also brought to you by my raspy voice from yelling at the tournament yesterday. So here we go. <clears throat> Do you want to get thick, mean, lean, swole? Then you need to use Electrum Performance Open Guard Cast 25 discount code for 25%. That's 0.25. That's a quarter off of their... <laughs> their deals <laughs> you lost the voice <laughs> i lost the voice yeah i know but hey use open guard cast 25 or discount code uh we are the open guard cast my name is jake watson this is danny o'donnell and this is a man who looks like he uses electric performance adion jamelo <laughs> old friend of mine and I've, I've known you since i was like we've we were like blue belts competing in arizona dude it's great to finally have you on the podcast how are you doing good brother awesome to be here with you guys you know and uh be sure a little bit with you guys here yeah, awesome. yeah, we're super excited. Um, you are episode 57 of the Open Guard cast. We are chugging right along. And by the way, speaking of being on 57 episodes, yesterday we were at Jiu-Jitsu World League Phoenix 2020 uh, tournament held at the West World in Scottsdale here in Arizona. And just the amount of support you guys showed. I had a bunch of people coming up to me telling me they love the podcast. I'm sure Danny had the same thing. It is just so awesome to feel so loved in our community. And we're going to continue to grow. And we have so many great things planned for you guys. Just know that we hear it. We love it. And uh, special shout outs to Elizabeth Clay and Kevin Carrasco who were there. Uh, Kevin is an absolute clown. We love him. <laughs> it's so funny. But yeah, we're here with Adian, um, who Adian, why don't you tell us a little bit of what you got going on right now? Uh, you live in Texas right now, correct? Yeah, right now I'm in Texas with uh, Professor Aquilino. Awesome. And uh, right now, honestly, I don't have much going on since kind of end of the year right now, you know, but uh Looking forward now to be fighting Hills to Open next Saturday, and then after that, I'm going to be doing a super fight for Terry Coast Grappling again on December 19th, and after that, I don't know. <laughs> don't know? Well, what do you – I remember me and you spoke a little bit at the last Third Coast show, the Third Coast Grappling Kumite 2 I was at, um, and you actually drove me home. Uh, I dropped me back <laughs> to my hotel. It was awesome. I was like, dude, come my car. This has got a nice car. And uh, – <laughs> It's just trying to kill me on the road. It was so funny. He's like, yeah, just hold on. And then he's going freaking. I'm like, all right, well, I'm a little scared. Not, break, but, not uh, breaking any laws, of course. Just No, just of course not. I'm just not. I, I, I drive 35 and a 45 is the problem. That 10 miles per hour makes a huge difference. Um, no, but dude, it's just good. It's good to see you doing well. Like I said, you know, I've known you uh, for a while. And I remember uh, I fought Carlos Souza at Blue Belt. And then when we came back, when I came back to Arizona, he hadn't come to Arizona yet, but you were, and me and you had been competing from like blue belt, purple belt. I think we competed blue belt, maybe, maybe purple belt. We started competing against each other uh, as well as Lucas Norat. But, um, I know you're training out there with Lucas Valente too, who has come on mm -hmm. the show. How is it training with Lucas, man? That guy seems like just like the man. cloud of positivity. Man, it's like the guy that you look in the room and uh, you don't want to go for him because you know, <laughs> you're going to get charged up, you know? <laughs> It's tough, tough training, you know what I mean? If he doesn't have, like, how can I say, easy train, you know? Like he used to say, it's so team, you know, kind of way to say easy role, but at the end of the day, it's not easy role, you know? So we kill each other pretty much every day, you know? So it's a fun training, and it's good because he pushed me to do better, and I push him to do better, you just grow with each other, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, one, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, kind of at the beginning was about your match with Felipe Andrew. Cause I think, uh, that was a match that surprised a lot of people. I think you were a late replacement, um, for the event. 
if I'm not mistaken. But it was cool. They, they had that match featured on one of the Flow Grappling shows. They were kind of breaking it down, and your guard looked super tough, and he was probably twice your size at least. <laughs> so do you want to talk about yeah, that match, yeah. like kind of how that went? Yeah, I even asking after, you know, he was like 220, and uh, that day away 170. So oh, like, holy man. crap. <laughs> but, uh, bro, uh, honestly, uh, I felt that I could do better, you know. If others pick up the fight, I played a, a monster in my head, you know, like, man, uh, I'm going to fight one of guy, you know. Sorry, you you were kind of breaking up. Would you mind repeating your answer to that? <laughs> Did we lose him? I think we lost him. Oh, oh no, you there? Hey, Adi, hey, Adi on. Yeah, I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, now we can hear you. We uh, you broke up for a little bit there, bro. Okay, so I start again. Perfect. Is, cool. that, is that good now? Yeah, perfect. Right, cool. Yep. Okay. So uh, on the on the week of the fight, honestly, I started to create a monster with <laughs> seven heads on my head. You know, like man, I'm gonna be facing straight up the guy that is like number one right now in the IBJJF ranking. You know, pound for pound, and uh, man, it's gonna be my first kind of black belt that are, that are going to be facing off, you know, so I was like, I was pretty ner nervous about it, you know, I was overthinking a lot, but uh, on the day of the fight, I was like, man, you know, like, you're going to do what I do the best, you know, it's fight. so I've been training for, for about 14, 14 years now, so I was like, all right, let's do this, so I soon the fight started, and I feel like kind of, I was stronger during the fight, I feel my technique is going like, on the way that I want. So I was like, cool, I can't do it, Jason, you know? So my honesty plan was like, okay, he's bigger than me. I know that I, I it's going to be really tough for me, for me to submit him, you know? So my strategy was to sweep him, hold, go to overtime, and then overtime sweeping him again, you know? So, but uh, I don't know what happened. Like, I didn't believe it that much that I was going to sweep him, you know? So as I swept him, I was like, oh, man, I did. <laughs> so I literally like froze. My my legs were shaking. I looked to Draco. It's like kind of like what are I gonna do now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so and then he, I I tried to kind of pass a little bit, but I, I don't know. I just my body didn't respond anymore. I I lose all my grip strength. I lose everything. So he swept me back, and then I couldn't kind of fight much back. So, but from that I have a a, a good uh, outcome after you know because I mean. I couldn't feel that uh, I'm there, you know, and that's not that big a deal anymore. I don't know. I think Jake can tell me a little bit more about uh, since he's like, he's transitioned to brown to black and he straight up face a bunch of top guys, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's how I feel, you know, like, oh, man, I can't have more confidence in myself because I'm there on the same level and it's not like to be afraid of it, you know. Mm -hmm. So that just kind of make him more confident. And uh, after that, I just like him excited every time that I compete now, you know. Yeah, no, and you're totally right. It's uh, I was equally scared when I went from brown belt to black belt, especially in my last tournament as a brown belt. I lost in the quarterfinal, and then I'm supposed to go to black belt. And uh, I, I, my first match at black belt was Vinicius Garcia, who is also in Texas. And um, 
he he had come off of a third place at Europeans, and I, in my head, I was created a monster as well. And really, I think you rise to the occasion when you get to the next belt. You're you're gonna you're gonna understand, and you're gonna be like, okay, I gotta be more careful. Like this is a good guy, and you're gonna play differently. And it helped me out a lot to be to be like thrust into that level. And I also had a match of Felipe that I felt like I could have done better in too. And I, I almost feel like creating that monster in your head can both help you and hurt you because it makes you aware. It makes you ready. Like you're like, okay, I need to be careful. But then once you do something good, you're like, oh, I did something good. Like you got to also uh-huh. keep in mind like that good thing can happen. Because I think I almost mounted him in my fight. And I was like, oh, and then I forgot how to go to mount. Like I watched the video and I cringe because I'm like, dude, just pull the arm and you're in mount. And I'm like, am I here? Why am I here? <laughs> uh, is it, I want to ask you something about him as a, as a grappler. And I want to know if you felt it. Did you feel that it's like a lot of dead weight? Like it's almost like he's just on you, leaning on you. It's not like he's putting a lot of strength in. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. He has a, a really like way to apply pressure with his hip and using his body weight, like you just said, you know, towards my hip. But I'm kind of a little bit used to because I have this guy that are uh, 20 years in the school that he's uh 280 pounds, but he's square. He's not that tall. He's square, and he do the exact same thing. And I kind of uh, I did my camp a little bit, a little bit with for him, you know, training for him. As long that I hit was helpful, you know. But uh, whenever I got tired during the fight with him, I couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, man, I can't. I can't. And whenever he swept me back, I was like, he used his weight way better also. I don't know how, but I mean, I felt that. I felt what I'm saying. For sure. So I wanted to ask you too, because you mentioned that Jacqueline was in your corner and then Jake was asking about training with Lucas. So what kind of prompted your move? Because you used to live in Arizona. So what prompted your move from Arizona to Texas to train with Jacqueline? Uh, Draculino always was my inspiration since, like, when I started, you know, and, uh, my cousin since he was, my cousin Lucas Valente was under him since day one, you know, and, uh, I want kind of to improve it. I didn't feel that, uh, I was improved enough here, so I did kind of, like, trips to Houston, you know, and uh, I felt that Draculino could help me a lot on my game, you know, my style and everything else, so I decided to make the move, you know. Especially to grow too, you know, mm-hmm. not just in jiu-jitsu, but in life and everything else. Yeah, Draculino is like such a good coach. He has so many like high-level competitors that he's produced, and um, I feel like all of his athletes are like good people and and really good athletes. So it's definitely definitely makes sense. But what do you think makes him different as a coach compared to other people that you've trained under? Man, I feel like uh, he's not afraid to lose the athlete. I would say. He's, he's always going to be real, you know? If he have to tell you something that is going to make you frustrated, or, but on his view, it's going to make you better, he's going to tell you straight up, you know? He's not going to hold back. I think that's one of the things that I appreciate on him the most, you know? If I mess up, even if sometimes if I, I win some fights, you know? And if I make a little mistake, he's going to be like point to that, you know? So I feel that is a, a, a huge thing on him. And also, he doesn't just look our outcome side the mat. He also, like, is looking who we are outside the mat as well, you know, treating people, you know, uh, if you are pushing people, not just inside the mat, but outside the mat should be, should be better and do better, you know. I think that would make him a little bit different. Yeah, I think that's, like, that's the a quality of a true leader. And, you know, I just thought about this because, I mean, look at you, look at Lucas, 
and all the people that Draculino has has taught, you know, when there's a lot who are prominent figures in jiu-jitsu nowadays, I feel like how you learn, and this also comes from, I mean, you and I share a faith, so it comes a lot from that. How you treat people is how you treat yourself, and that is how you treat what you love to do. So the reason why you are a pro, like one of the big reasons why like man look at Lucas look at you you guys are high high level jiu-jitsu competitors who are also high quality human beings. I think that, that that when that goes hand in hand you increase the threshold that you can be good. Does that make sense? Like you you increase yeah. how good you can be when you increase how good you want to be as a person and that translates into what you want to do. And I think that that is just so awesome and that's why I, I would love to um be able to have like a freaking hour long conversation with, with Vinicius Draculino, just like, so I can learn. Cause I'm very interested in improving the quality of my mm -hmm. human being as well. Yeah. I feel like when I started to try to focus on that, it worked for me and it made me feel like, man, I have like this direction to go in my jujitsu. Do you feel like, um, training with Draculino? Like what, what is one big lesson you feel like you've learned, uh, from the time that you spent with him? Like one yeah. that you could imp impart onto other people. Man, uh, I'm going to take even like a short conversation that I had with him December last year, you know, before the belt promotion, because I thought I thought I was going to get a black belt, you know, because I mean, I haven't been on Brown a little bit uh, over four years now, you know, and then he come up to me straight up. was like, Harry, I'm not going to give the black belt. You deserve you have the jujitsu for it, but uh, I'm not going to give it. I was like. Uh, okay. like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> and, and then, and then he was like, "Because I just don't want you to be a black belt inside the mat right now, you know. I want you to be on the right spot, mental, you know, to to be the best black belt." And then he gave me the ex example for Hamulo Bahau. Hamulo Bahau, he was just like won the words uh, on his weight in uh, open class as a brown belt. And then everybody, oh, Homolo Bajau is going to get his black belt. And then uh, Draco didn't promote him. And then next year, Homolo went there. He went, and then he won the awards in open class against a brown belt. And then Draco didn't promote him. And then everybody was like, Draco, what's the deal, you know? And But on the end of that year, uh, Draco had a conversation with Homolo and they explained. And then um, kind of his view of the athlete that he want, he, he want to make, you know? So... I think that's the big thing that I, I, I look out for Draco, you know, because that's, he doesn't care if, like what call about you, you are, you know. I think he even came here for the, uh, that say that I hands a great say, you know, like the, your belt just going to just gonna be two, three inches on, on your hip, you know, that's not going to protect your life. That, that, that's not going to define who you are, you know, at the end of the day. So I think Draco kind of uh, approach that on daily, you know, with everyone going to white to black. And one of the things that he does so well, it is he's going to treat you the same if you're white belt to the black belt. He's not going to treat anybody different, you know. That's awesome. So another thing that I think Gracie Baja does really well, it just as like an organization, I feel like they give their athletes opportunities to grow outside of just competition. Like sometimes they'll they'll give them like teaching positions or just teach them about like the business of jujitsu in case they want to open an academy. Do you, would you agree with that? Do you feel like Gracie Baja does a really good job of building people up outside of just inside the mat? No, definitely 100. percent I mean, Gracie Baja has a program. If you want to be just professor, you can be just a professor. You know, if you just want to run a business, 
being inside the school, you can do that too, you know. So that's that's when comes the jiu-jitsu for everyone that they create, you know. But I still say kind of a little bit on the other day, like, jiu-jitsu for everyone, but I don't think that everyone is for jiu-jitsu sometimes, you know. Yeah, fine line, yeah. I, I, I can agree with that. I mean, and that that has more than one meaning, right? Like, I mean, there's some people exactly. who just make jiu-jitsu look awful by, like, their character. And that's not that that's not the case for everybody. Like we have some I'm not even going to say names because it's not necessary to say names. But like <laughs> like there's some people who you can look at in the jiu-jitsu community and you're like, man, that guy's a little rough. Like, that's a little rough around the edges. But the cool thing is we are saying jiu-jitsu is for everybody. Jiu-jitsu is supposed to change people. You know what I mean? Like people come into jiu-jitsu with an ego. They either leave with their ego or they decide I don't need that. And then they keep doing jujitsu. So, um, yeah, jujitsu is for everybody. I like that. But maybe not everybody's for jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to talk – I want to take a little bit step back and talk about, like, your up, upbringing in jujitsu. Do you want to talk about, like, how you originally got into the sport? So that's kind of funny. <laughs> so I was overweight. So I was like getting bullied on the school, on the on the school, you know. I can't imagine you being overweight. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't have much confidence. So my other cousin back in the time, he was a brown belt, and then he brought me to jujitsu, you know, with my first professor, Paul Cesar Driving. So he used he still has this social project that I help kids, because I grew up in a small neighbor, like really small poor neighbor, you know. That, uh, I mean, we didn't have money for kind of better than nothing there back then, you know. So driving the way that I used to teach the kid it is, okay, you have a good grade on this school, you can train for free. But if you don't have a good grade, you cannot train. So it was like, was even kind of a little bit motivational for me to go to the school and get a good grade, you know, because so I could train, you know. So I started to train because uh, to lose weight, you know. I didn't have any goals to go uh, compete or nothing like that, you know. I just want to lose weight and kind of be cool to like, hey, I know so much awards, you know, don't mess with me, <laughs> kind of thing. So, so I started to do that. And then one day when I was 10 years old, driving come up to me is like, hey, I sign, sign up. I sign you up in a tournament here. So you're going to fight. It was like, what? I was like, I, I'm going to fight. It's like, all right, fine. Let's do this, you know. And then whenever I get there in the first tournament, uh, the other kid threw my arm bar less than a minute. And then I, like, tap. I was like, whoa, what's going on? What just happened, you know? So I think if from there, I start to build, like, I don't want to lose, you know? I wanted to win on myself a little bit. So after that, I went back, training more. I, I want to fight again. So I asked driving to sign me up for the next tournament. So he did. And then I went there and then I won. And then after that, never stopped kind of got addicted to it all right so let's fast let's like fast forward a little bit right you're older you're in shape you have moved to america i'm assuming and mm -hmm. at what point did you think man i can really make jiu-jitsu a career because i mean i'm i'm very proud uh i was very proud when i saw that you had made jiu-jitsu your career when i saw you in texas at what point did you realize that you were actually gonna be able to do it because I mean, you're brown belt, but you're lit. You're on your way to like, man, you're doing well, you know. Uh huh. So I started to believe in myself that I couldn't do that after I won the awards, IBJJF awards, when I was juvenile too, back in 2014, and it was the first time that I came to America. I was like, whoa, seeing big things, you know. 
And then I, I went there on one and it was like, man, I can't do this, you know? So I started to kind of believe in myself more after that. So that's when I decided to move. I, I went back a little bit now. So that's when I decided to move to America for sure, for sure. So that's when I I spent a, a couple of years with Professor Flavio Almeida here in Phoenix, you know? So I learned a bunch with business with him, you know? And uh, also with Professor Paulo Eduardo Ferripil, you know? And then after that, I was like, cool, I learned business, you know, so, but I still feel that I could be a, I still feel that I could be a competitor, you know, so that's when the opportunity uh, with Professor Drop come online, you know, so he still believe in me there, you know, so I was like, cool, I mean, I'm going to give the shot, you know, so that's why I decided to move to Texas. <laughs> so then when I decided to move to Texas, my first plan was just like, okay, I'm just going to compete, I just want to train, I just want to focus on that. But other things start to fall online, you know, because right on the time, Professor Zrak was kind of needing help with some stuff in the school, so I started kind of helping him out. So then kind of become his right arm in the school now, you know. So I don't know. I, that's the kind of thing that I just, people say, you know, sometimes stuff's happening for some reason, you know. So I think that's what's the main reason, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Fun fact, Danny O'Donnell, that you don't know about, Arian. He has uh, some of the, the biggest black belts in the world. Arian was competing against when he was a, when he was in the kids' rankings, right? Like, I, I, if I remember correctly, you told me that you had fight Kainan du- you had fought Kainan Duarte in Brazil man, at like blue belt, right? Man, I, fought, I already fought Kainan Duarte. I already fought Jonathan's Grace. I already fought Isaac uh, Baez. Uh, what else? Couple guys, man. Uh, I already fought Matheus Gabriel. Um, Wow, I fought a bunch of guys. I think what's holding me back a, a little bit uh, on the brown belt as well was because right after I won the words, I had a knee knee problem, so I tore my ACL. So that's had hold me back like a whole year to recover, you know. So I kind of sit back for a whole year. But uh, I used to compete with those guys all the time, you know. Like it's kind of like it's a little frustrating. But sometimes a little bit like motivational for me to see those guys like, okay, they are the top ones today and I always compete against them, you know. Mm-hmm. What belt were you when you fought against Kainan? Blue. We are blue belt. Mm-hmm. Dang. I remember yeah. uh, a long, yeah. I, I competed against Jonatas in Brazil. Uh, I was juvenile. They didn't have juvenile one or two, I, I don't think, at the tournament. Uh, but it was juvenile blue belt. I was uh, I was 141 pounds and I fought against I didn't actually actually I didn't fight Jonatas I would have had I won my first fight against uh, Victor Antunes I don't know if you know who that is but mm-hmm. uh, yeah no I fought him uh, I beat him at Pan Am's and I went to Brazil and he creamed me he freaking 20 to zero beat me that was so oh I was a, I submitted him in America at home field advantage apparently. <laughs> <laughs> was angry. Yeah, uh, I also like, I don't know if you guys know, Kawamba about the same time as me. Uh, we used to fight all the time. Alexandre Molinaro. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Couple of the guys, a bunch of guys, man. Like, a bunch of high level guys. Cool. Yeah, so you mentioned the, the ACL tear. I feel like that that's like a pretty common injury in jiu-jitsu and i know it sets you back about a year like you said do you want to talk about like what that was like going through the rehab process and where your head was at when that happened because that's that's a difficult thing to overcome and get back into competition yeah man uh it's the kind of thing that uh people tell you hey you're gonna have something's gonna happen to you you know 
But when that happened to me, I was in Sao Paulo, so I was like traveling to compete. I wasn't in a competition. I was I I heard even against was uh, Leonardo De Lara from from I forgot the team now. Almeida Jiu Jitsu. Yes. I think yeah. It, yeah, I fought him on the finals of the Worlds in 2014. I beat him, and then I went to Sao Paulo Open. I was winning, and then uh, I just that happened to tore my ACL. But whenever that happened, man, I thought, I thought like, man, my career is over. I don't know what I'm gonna do now. You know, I spent my whole life like just training, and then I don't know what I'm gonna do. But then after when I'm back home, I set, I set my thoughts down. So I was like, okay, uh, what I'm gonna do? So I just focused a lot to be back on the mat as soon as possible. You know. But uh, as soon as I came back, it was a little bit frustrating because, uh, I mean, my I had to change my whole game. You know, I used to do a lot better in bolo, you know, a lot of stuff like that. And then I couldn't do it anymore because my leg, it was like kind of frustrating. But then that's when I started to kind of focus more in passing as well, you know. So I didn't think that I had a lot to hold back. I just, I don't know, I always try to look at stuff in a positive way, you know, because if I kind of hold a little bit negative, I think everyone's going to go kind of get depressed or something like that, you know. So... The same way that kind of COVID happened, you know, I feel grateful for few stuffs. I don't try to think in the in the worst way, but why it sucks? I had to be tough mental. I gained a little bit of weight, you know, on the first months, but then after shake it off, it's like, no, that that's just not me, you know. That's not my idea, who I am, you know. So I just kind of shake it off and focus 100% on the, on the rehab, and then I get back after to it. Yeah, I think a lot of people mention when they have injuries like that, it's obviously devastating. You have to change your game and stuff, but it forces you to think a lot more about jiu-jitsu and, and to develop technically sometimes. Did you feel like you experienced that? Did you have to play around with new positions and learn new things just to be able to to roll the way you wanted to again? Yeah, 100% a lot. Like a lot. My Like I say, my whole game changed. You know, I had to change my whole game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my bride professor's talked a lot about that too. He's uh he's had a lot of knee uh knee surgeries and knee injuries and I mean, I feel like uh what was it like cuz when you first get back, you have a lot of you realize how many habits you have. I feel like is when you when you come off of an injury like mm-hmm. that. Like you yeah. just instinctively throw your knee into a weird position and it hurts and then you're like, "Ah, and then that's probably what is very frustrating." Um uh-huh. man, it's just were you able to uh so with the rehab what are a couple of the exercises they would have you do if you're willing to explain what like that can help with like an ACL injury that maybe you can impart on the people? Man, uh, really lightweight leg extension, you know, with a uh, high reps. Uh, they used to do a lot uh, ultrasound, you know. Uh, I used to do squats, but like isometric squats with the kind of medicine and ball in the back, you know, try to hold. With both legs, and then after just one leg, uh, a lot hamstring is the size as well, you know. Because what they did is just to make the whole area more strong as well, you know, not just like the knee ish, mm-hmm. but they make the whole area around the knee stronger. So they just kind of like keep everything more tight together. So since then, I just have been doing this kind of things like eventually, like at least one, two times a week. Just to make my my knees stronger, so since then I never have any more problems with my knees, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like I feel like a lot of uh, jiu-jitsu athletes probably wonder about different things they can do to treat their knees if they start to hurt. 
And uh, I actually know this this doctor named Neil Morris who goes to my academy. He's a regenerative doctor on Instagram. He does regeneration therapy with like you know injections of like PRP and Prolo. And he had like a uh, like a 75 or 80 percent ACL tear in his knee. And the doctor said he needed surgery. And three months of regenerative regenerative therapy, he got a 100 percent heal in his knee. It was the craziest like most science like the doctor was baffled that it happened and stuff like that and i i wonder just going off the topic of your own knee injury how many people are going to look to stuff like that regarding the, their uh their recovery because i looking at you now you are definitely more of a uh would you say you're more of a pass heavy competitor now just due to that experience i mean i still like to play my guard you know yeah that's my strong <laughs> my strong thing on my game but i mean I love way more enjoy way more now to pass guard. And like you say too, one thing, uh, I didn't have my knee surgery. I just did physical therapy. I still have to do some point, you know. I just did a bunch of physical therapy and they make the whole area stronger than the muscles keep everything together. Mm, okay, okay. So let me ask you, since you are I mean your game is expanded, uh if you are a man who studies other competitors, what are a couple of the competitors that you kind of like feel your game, your game leans towards that you would study? Because for me, just to give you an example of what I mean by this, I am really interested in learning how to pressure pass. And I, my favorite guard is butterfly guard. I know a lot of people don't know that, but my favorite guard is butterfly guard. So I would like to watch like a lot of Marcelo Garcia and a lot of Gustavo Batista, who uh, just got it done beating the brakes off me. But I do watch him to <laughs> study from him. But who are a couple of the competitors that you find yourself like leaning towards when you're studying film? Man, uh, when it comes to the guard, I, I still lean a little bit on my cousin, you know, Lucas, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he has some crazy concepts about guard and guard rotation, stuff like that. And, I mean, he helped me a lot with that. But when it came to passing, I... I look up a lot to Lucas Lepre and also uh, Professor Straco. He has a crazy, crazy, crazy pressure passing. Man, I have been training for him over two years, and I still I didn't sweep him once. Oh wow! Uh, and he's old, man. <laughs> 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 That's the thing. <laughs> I can sweep that guy. Man. And Lucas Lepre, I watch a lot of Lucas Lepre as well. You know, so I like his style passing. Like I don't know, he kind of making his body like triangle-ish, you know, and then just apply the whole way and then go for both sides the whole time, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like it's an old-school concept, right? Because my, I feel like uh, if, if I grapple with um, someone who's been jiu-jitsu for a very long time from just like the time period now as opposed to back then, their pressure's unreal. And scrapping someone like, uh, like Batista, I'll bring him up again, is very awkward because he feels like an old dude. He feels like someone who's been doing jiu-jitsu for freaking ever, and they feel mm -hmm. like a wet blanket on top of you, and uh, except for that wet blanket is trying to kill you. And uh, I feel like I want to learn that because if you think about it, all of those old school principles kind of defeat the new school stuff. A lot of double under, like double under takes away Dela Hiva, reverse Dela Hiva, lapel guard. It takes away all of it. Like I'm surprised yeah, yeah. more people aren't worrying about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I feel like all this pressure concepts and stuff, like, for ex I, you give a good example, Batista, you know, I think it's all consistent because uh, I have been watching Batista competing since he was a blue belt because of blue belt back in then. Uh, and he didn't change much. It's still the same exactly game, you know. So I think all this, like, consistency, you know, and uh, experience, like, year after year just makes it better, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah. Because if you watch Batista passing Bluebell and watching him now, it's just like the same game with way more details and with way more pressure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that's something that we're kind of working on at my gym now is like trying to give every competitor like a specific game. So that, that's really interesting that you say he's been doing almost that exact same thing since Blue Belt because I, I've been watching a bunch of his matches recently too. And like he starts the match the same way every time. Like he gets to the same positions. So like, do, do you feel like that's a better approach for someone who's maybe like a younger Blue Belt? Do you think they should try and find a specific game and just stick with it and add the details as, as they grow? Yeah, for sure, and I would, and I have been doing that. Like, uh, I have uh, two students that I do, I teach private for them since white belt, and since white belt, I build the game for them, and since white belt, they never lose a a a a tournament. I mean, I'm not saying that like on the best code, but I just told them like, okay, you're gonna do this, and that's your game, and they do the exact same thing every tournament, and they submit, submit everybody, you know. So I think, I think it is, man. Because it just build a, a bunch of confidence with that game, you know? And then confidence in the tournament is a, such a great thing, you know? It's a good thing. So, and also, like, you know, and I think whenever you click on mind something that uh, you know that, that uh, you're going to be good at and you know how to do it perfectly, bro, I don't think, like, all the guy that is, like, compete against you, think a bunch of stuff, think a bunch of stuff, how are he going to avoid your game, I don't think he can stop you, you know? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think about that, Jake? Do you think that your game has been similar, or have you made a lot a lot more changes throughout the years? Uh, okay, so I feel like I have... Uh, again, jiu-jitsu comes out a lot in your personality, so my personality is pretty all over the place. Um, <laughs> I, could not, I could not pass the guard until I was brown belt. I just had no confidence in it whatsoever. And once I got to brown belt, I started to gain confidence in it after one tournament in particular where I just decided I was going to try to pass the guard as hard as I could and it was going to work. And it worked like four times in a row I passed the guard. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can do it. Um, I initially was only single leg X ankle locks. I think Audion remembers that. I was only single leg X ankle locks. Uh, and I if, I did, <laughs> if I didn't do that, if I didn't do that, it was just closed guard or bust, right? Like that was my blue belt game. Bust. <laughs> or bust. Um, and then I started to really lean into uh, leg dragging and collar and sleeve. And right now I'm finding that Birnbolo is uh, – because I used to, I always did Birnbolo kind of. Like I was kind of a Birnbolo guy. I love Birnbolo. Like I, oh, I'm, I always – I've always had like a thing for it. If I could – if and by the way, going back to my butterfly guard comment, if I if I could, if people pass on their knees, I would go for butterfly guard way more. But I don't know how Adam Wardzinski does it. I don't know. I'm going to freaking buy his DVD <laughs> so I can start to do it because I love butterfly guard so much. But like like I said, I'm all over the place. Even with this this explaining of it, it's all over the place. Right? <laughs> so I feel like just I'm trying. Eventually, it's gonna round itself out to where I'm very well rounded in a lot of places. But uh, I feel like my game has only changed uh, based on my like what do I like now? Oh, do this like collar and sleeve. Like I love collar and sleeve. I will I will, I will always love collar and sleeve now because I get that I'm tall and it works. But I mean. It's fun to mix it up too. I, I really like Bitterbolo worked for me beautiful in the in the Mateus match. Um, I think eventually also the higher the level gets, it's going to come down to game planning. You know, like if I fight Felipe Andrew again, there's going to be a game plan there. It's going to be something that I need to do to fight him. If I fight Gustavo Batista again, way different game plan than when I fight Felipe Andrew. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. 
uh, event, I, I would like for my jujitsu to become well-rounded enough to where I can execute a game plan uh, as pertaining to a specific fight that I need to do. Um, and then I think that'll lead to a lot more success. But yeah, it's been pretty all over the place uh, just because I probably have like ADD or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that a little bit. Uh, uh, whenever I was like blue, purple, and a little bit beginning of the brown, I was like all over the place. Whenever I came back to Texas, kind of Draco forced me to he didn't force me, he told me, and I just believe on him, and I have been doing just like Fox one thing, you know. For example, I've been enjoying a lot to go for the knee slice, mm -hmm. but you have several ways to get a knee slice, and depends what your opponent is going to do, you know. If he plays Spider God, if he plays Lasso God, and if he does like whatever, you know. So I've been focusing a lot, like, okay, I make all my games surrounding to get to some position that I want, you know. So I kind of prepare myself for everything, you know, for any kind of guard. But at the end, I want to be on my position, you know. And that's something else that Homer Bahal told me like several years ago. But I kind of like, I listened, but I mean, I didn't kind of understood. But now I understood better, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely and, feel like Hamilo's game is like that too. Like the knee slice, the spider guard. Like he's been doing that forever, but he just always has like a, a new variation maybe. Yeah, for sure. And also, like, whenever I moved to Texas, I mean, Lucas play guard the whole time, you know? So, like, yeah. that forced me a lot, like, to be a passer, you know? Yeah, for on sure. The on the beginning, I, like, I literally struggle a lot. But, like, now I love it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, passing the guard. Kind of... What do you feel, Danny? You didn't answer your own question. You asked us questions, <laughs> then you thought you could escape it. Do you feel like your game has uh, changed a lot over the years? Yeah, I'm definitely – I'm trying to fix it, like – doing what Ariane's doing more like going back to try and just do one stick with one thing from top and from bottom but yeah over the years i've kind of been all over the place just adhd brain like you <laughs> well, for sure you know what i think about and what i tell some people is i relate it to like a tree right every tree has a root and it's a it's a big root then you think about it as like one solid foundation that branches come off of and thicker branches lead to thinner branches which lead to even thinner branches your your root is like Guard or top, you know what I mean, of your tree. And then you have strong branches that come off of that root, like passing. Okay, strong branch is my leg drag. And then you have things that come off of your leg drag. And then you have like another strong branch can be your knee cut. Okay, that's good too. It's not as good as this branch. It's not as solid as this one, but it's a little bit thinner. It works a little bit differently. I can get on that branch if I need to. And then you have options off of that. And I think your goal in jiu-jitsu is to make your tree as like – beautiful as possible you should make your tree with as many branches and as many leaves and as many uh, as solid a tree as you can make it and then move on to the next tree okay now let's improve our guard that's how i think about jujitsu is i want to be able to do everything well i don't believe i i refuse to accept the belief that you can only be good at a certain couple parts of jujitsu i believe that you can be good at everything as long as you make the effort to open your mind up to the possibility of everything so that i i hope that analogy made sense but that that's kind of how I think about jujitsu. I, I hope that that can be helpful to people listening who believe the same thing. Um, and like Arian was forced into an experience to like go to another branch because like, hey, man, like you got to you got to ignore this tree for a little bit. You got to make another tree. You got to plant another tree now, mm -hmm. you know. But I mean, even though I feel like, for example, Jake, uh, at the end of the day, what's your strongest point? You know, mm -hmm. it's going to be butterfly and uh What's the pass that you say? 
uh, smash like like I do a certain variable smash passing, but those are those can be your strongest. But you yeah. like I don't want well, I don't want to be into everything. Exactly, yeah. I don't want to be like okay, you drop me here and I have no idea what to do. Like that yeah, would yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah for, I would like I to think, be able to be strong, you know. Yeah yeah, I think on the higher level you gotta understand everything and you're gonna be ready for like for the worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. 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 You, yes. Yes. You just cannot be expect like the good to happen, you know, because yeah, man, no. a lot of things happen, man. Oh man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. I've been hit with some stuff at Blackboard that I was like, how was I supposed to know that? Like, <laughs> that's not even fair. That's like dropping me in a movie and not telling me the plot and expecting me not to get scared. Yeah, I feel For like sure, one man. thing that's that's kind of tough is like jiu-jitsu is so fun. So you all, it's fun to try new stuff, and it's like if you get a, a good result with a new position, you're like, oh my god, I want to try to explore this. So it's that's that's maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but <laughs> I no, feel like this is fun. That that I, I mean, like falling into that trap of just like being enticed by new positions. Oh yeah, I tried yeah, a sure. lapel guard this weekend and it burned me. <laughs> I got swept <laughs> back and I almost lost the match. I was like, I suck at this, but it was pretty fun while it was happening. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I th- I think that's the uh, that makes you just exciting, you know, because if we just do the same thing every day, it's gonna be boring, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's not Jay, it's not boring tra- to win in tournament though, right? I mean, I could do the same thing <laughs> yeah. in tournament. Like, let's do it. Jake, sure. with your uh, with your beginner students, do you feel like you take a similar approach where you try to find a specific game for them, or do you try and introduce them to a broad range of positions at the beginning? I think that um. Man, you know, that's an interesting question. I think with beginners, you can usually tell what they feel more comfortable doing. And I just try to find like what they enjoy. And then if they enjoy it, let's get really good at it. So you can enjoy it more and you can find out how much more you enjoy it. The more they learn about jujitsu through that, the more they'll learn about jujitsu through it not working. I think the number like for beginners, and I don't know if Adrian will agree with me on this. I think consistency is the number one thing because – for instance, working out, right? If you're going to exercise, you can't go to the gym once or twice a month and get bigger. It doesn't work like that, right? You have to go to the gym consistently. You have to build, there's going to be some days where you don't want to work out. There's going to be some days where you feel tired. There's going to be some days where it's like, man, you know, that's why you auto-regulate. Shout out to uh, election performance. But <laughs> that's why you make sure, hey, let's go a little lighter today. Let's go a little, I can go heavy today. That's how you grow muscle. That's how you get healthier. The same thing with jujitsu. You, I think consistency. A lot of beginners quit, man. I mean, dude, what, what is the what's the statistic that um, a lot of people bring up? Is that like one percent of people who start jujitsu get their black belt? It's a big statistic, man. Like being part of that one percent, like that's just consistency. A black belt is just a white belt who never quit, you know. So, I think that I just try to imp- introduce every fundamental student, every beginner to an environment where they're going to learn to enjoy what they do. And because jujitsu is hard, man. Like, yeah, it is a fun time, but man, it's hard. It's hard to do jujitsu. You're beating your body up. Everybody look at your fingers right now on this call and tell me you're like happy with how they look. You're not, (laughs) you're not happy. Like, damn, I'm not going to be a glove model ever, you know? So, uh, I, I don't, and I actually want to hear what Adian has to say about this too, because I know Adian is a, a talented coach as well. Man, I feel like everything you do in life, consistency is the key. You know, if you don't have consistent, you're not going to be able to do anything in life, you know. Even in school, you know, if you're not consistent, like you're studying, you're not going to have good grades. And then you're not going to get your degree or everything, you know, anything. So 
I feel like uh, that's the same thing that Jake just said, you know, like if you feel comfortable, if you're happy doing that, keep doing the consistent doing that because I feel that happiness by you doing that is going to make you better. You know, that's the thing too. If you're not happy doing it, I have something wrong. You know, I feel that mm -hmm. way too because I, I, I never going to force someone to be doing something they're not happy doing, you know, that's not, not helping. So, I feel it came with that too, consistent and be, ha be, be happy at the same time, you know. But if you're happy, bro, like, please keep doing, you know, keep that consistent there. Even Lepre says all the time on his post too, even remind, like, consistent the key. Simple. I feel like sometimes things are so simple, just one plus one, and then we complicate it, you know. 100%. I For feel sure. that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So do you want to talk a little bit about like what your goals are for competition moving forward? Because you've been competing a lot recently and well, I mean a lot in terms of the environment with COVID and everything, but you've been doing your best yeah, to compete sure. despite despite the challenges and you've been doing really good. So what what are some of your goals like short term, maybe in the next six months and then long term past that? Man, uh so I don't know if you're gonna get from World Black Thorn in December or not, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> that, that that's the thing that I'm kinda kinda question mark for me. But so far goes, I want to be competing way more, you know, and be, uh, be compete against the higher levels right now, you know. So that's why one of the reasons I came down to Phoenix here to kind of get back at it, you know, like that kind of feeling of tournament. Because I just have been doing super fights, and I feel super fights for a tournament size a little bit different, you know. Because yeah. super fight will just go and fight one guy, and that's it. And uh, you can't, you have time to study, you know, make your whole game plan just against that guy, you know. But whenever you go to a tournament, it's like you're going to do three, four mats, and it's a different guy, it's a different game plan for each guy, you know. So I sometimes I do study in a tournament, but sometimes I don't because I just overthink about too much one guy and then I forget about the other guy, you know. So that's one of the things that I don't like about studying guys in tournament. So I feel like, like I just say, tournaments are different from super fights. So that's why I came down here to kind of get back uh, on the feeling of uh, super fight style-ish, you know. Because right now, next Saturday, in the Houston Open, you're going to have pretty tough match, you know. I saw that uh, Felipe Hart signed up. He's a pretty good competitor, nice. you know. Uh, has the João Vitor Kinky Oliveira from Cyborg student. Uh, has Luan Reis there, you know. Has the Austin Orandes. So the Brown Bell Division is back, you know. So I'm kind of like looking forward to it. So before that, kind of like when it get here, get kind of the feeling going, and then to get there in the good, you know, because Houston Open, like, it's my, it's my town now, huh? you know, so it's yeah. really good to represent. So, and also to get back to, because December, I'm going to be fighting Tory Coast Grab in the last one of the year. And uh, in January, you're going to get back to it again. It's going to have another super fight. And uh, after that, I don't know. Yeah. It's gotta be kind of cool living like right, like third coast. You're always kind of in the conversation to be able to compete on. I think that's really cool. You kind of made a home on there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's good, you know, because I mean, I don't have to spend money for hotel, flight, nothing, you know. So all, all the time, the guys are calling me out. So the guys are pretty friendly with me too, you know. I try my best to grow the event as well. So it's kind of like just work out, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So we really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciative of your time. I know you're busy with traveling and all that stuff. And, and you did so awesome yesterday. So we definitely wanted to get you on today. But do you have any uh, sponsors or any teammates or anyone you wanted to thank? Oh, yeah. I'd like to thank you, uh, my professor, Dracolina, as always, uh, driving Pew, you know, uh, and my sponsors, uh, Alchemist Athletics, 
Uh, I've been doing my conditioning training, you know, kinics, uh, uh, cubs, optimize you, and uh, LEV, Lucas Valente, nutrition. He's a nutrition now, so he do my nutrition, my cousin, and uh, Bergson Chiropractor, and Decentuary uh, Gym. Awesome. All right. So now we have some sponsors we like to thank. <clears throat> thank you. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, Electron Performance, for your support of Open Guard Cast. You can use the discount code OpenGuardCast25 if you want to get significantly thicker than Jake Watson. I was wearing a no-gi rash guard yesterday, and I was disappointed <laughs> in myself. I'm going to be the uh, poster child for what not using the brand looks like. Um, no, you so look Don't big, look dude. like me. Don't sell yourself short. Oh, dude, my crap <laughs> were just out there. When I was, you know. No, but uh, truly, we love Electron Performance. Use that discount code. Thank you, Hydro Photography, Chill Fit Cryo, Break New Ground, Marcio Andre Academy, Maracaba BJJ, Agro Brand. And um, we got a lot of cool stuff that we're going to try to unveil for you guys here in the future. We want to thank Adian uh, for coming on. And everybody he mentioned, please go follow him on Instagram at... Adian Dimelo, Adian Gimelo, uh, which is just his name with no spaces or capitals. So it's easy. All right. If you have any sense of culture, you will be able to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> just read in Portuguese book, learn how to say things. Don't be uncultured. What's wrong with you? And uh, other than that, I, I think I'm, I'm done rambling for the day. So Danny, you're great. Adian, it's a pleasure to have you on, brother. We'll definitely be working with you more in the future. And whenever we come down to Houston, we'd love to have you for Open Guardcast Live or something. Who knows? Awesome. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for having me. I have a great time, as always. So Houston is your, your guys' house. So just let me know. And Eat. you guys have a place to stay and uh, anything else. Awesome. All right. We'll keep that in mind. Thank you. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again to Ariane. This is episode 57 of the Open Guard Cast, and we will see you guys soon.